Hello, welcome to Someday We'll All Be Dead, a podcast where we talk about all the things with a social work perspective. I'm your host, Hallie Harris, and I'm a hospice social worker. Today, we are coming to the end of our conversation with Marie and Katie about the Department of Corrections. This is part four and the finale of the conversation. So if you've missed part one through three, I encourage you to uh, come back to this episode once you've listened to the other three, because we will be referring back to some things. There are also, as usual, the warnings of conversations about some violent acts or things that may be activating for people. So if the Department of Corrections or the death penalty are not something that you want to hear about, perhaps you should skip this episode. We do finally get to the whole reason we started our conversation in the first place, which is how we feel about the death penalty. And I gotta say, this last episode, I'm trying not to be biased here, but I really do think it's the best. So I hope you've stuck around. You've gotten the foundational information. I really hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed listening to it for the second time while I was editing. So strap in, literally and figuratively. Here we go. So we're finally getting into what we had originally said we were going to do. Katie and I have been hatching this plan for months and months to talk well, about the death penalty. And what's funny is that even prior to months and months of you and I hatching this, Marie and I have been talking about this for like two years <laughs> that at some point we would like to sit down and together have a conversation about the death penalty because there are so many opinions on it. And mm-hmm. so we've talked about doing this too. And now here we are. <laughs> so before we get knee deep into the actual death penalty. Okay. We had just been discussing punitive versus rehabilitative features mm-hmm. of jail, of prison, and also minors and how that relates to being sentenced as an adult, which then leads into life sentences, life without parole, etc. Mm-hmm. So I think we're all in agreement that first of all, every case is different and unique. There's not a black and white way to look at any of these things. Mm-hmm. And that prison should ultimately be some sort of rehabilitative or quality of life aspect, not just punitive, because the punitive part is actually being in prison. Yes. Being incarcerated. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if your current job has affected the way that you look at the Department of Corrections. Ooh, (laughs) that is a great question. And your listeners do not know where I currently work and I will not share that at this time. That's okay. Ooh, I don't know how to answer that right off the top of my tongue. I would like to believe the answer is no. Mostly because I chose to leave corrections well before I got this job. Mm -hmm. This was months in the making, if not years. And even when I, like, stepped away from the sex offender treatment program, I'd done that for about two and a half years, and I remember driving home from Walla Walla in, I think it was actually in my personal car, even though they weren't going to reimburse me for mileage or anything, I just knew I didn't want to drive with anybody else, and so that meant going in my personal vehicle. And I was driving home from that sex offender management conference, that was the second year I'd spoken at it, and I was driving home from Walla Walla, and I knew... I needed to leave the sex offender program in that moment. I was convinced of it. I knew that in my heart and soul, I couldn't do this work anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, a huge emphasis at that that particular conference had been on burnout. It had been on uh, like lack of supervisory support, which is how I felt in the moment. And so I knew it was time to go. 
I could say the exact same thing about choosing to leave corrections at in 2022. I knew well before I'd even put in my notice this was time. I needed to leave. You know, I know why I left corrections. And so, no. Uh, like, if we're just going to keep playing this word association game, the answer is no right off the bat. I don't believe that this new position has influenced or fragmented or clouded my memories because again even in last last time we did this right I said I still I don't have any regrets from my eight years in corrections I have a lot of positive things to still say about it so no I hear you <laughs> and I wonder if first it might be a little too early in this new job and plausible my actual question was more about how you feel about the prison system in general oh not your job within the prison system Okay. But we'll save that for later. Yeah. Because again, it might it's be a, a little early. It's a good food for thought because you've only been there for how many months? Less than three months. Less mm-hmm. than three months. And so I will be curious to see how that pans out with mm-hmm. our side conversation that will not be aired <laughs> of how that impacts the way you think of, of things and how uh, just a system in general. I am intrigued by that. Yeah. I, I will say just as a overall gosh what's the word i'm looking for uh when you an overall reflection or mm-hmm. something uh, that this new gig has brought with it a lot uh, an increased amount of empathy just in general like i won't maybe go into specifics about who i'm empathetic towards but i believe that my ability to be empathic has expounded it will be interesting to see how that plays out. It because will. Because I could see both mm-hmm. your empathy growing and in certain aspects it's shrieking and shriveling and dying. Yes. <laughs> oh, I, I did have a moment, and Katie can attest to this. I did text her this week, actually, and verbatim said, this is the second job I have now held in the past decade that has made me question humanity. Yeah. So. Well, that's a great segue. Yes. So Let's talk about humanity. I have a lot of statistics to talk about Mm -hmm. in reference to this. I got these mostly from uh, deathpenaltyinfo.org. But let's just kind of start off the bat with the the first blanket question. Do you believe in the death penalty? In general, with no specifics. Yes. Katie? (laughs) That was Marie. Sorry. Katie? (laughs) Katie's face right now. Well, she said no specifics. Do you believe in it? Well, I know, but I was expecting like, yes, no, or other. And she's like, yes. (laughs) Who knew that was going to come out of my mouth? I know, it just shocked me. That's all. Um, (laughs) Marie is a yes. Marie is a yes. Katie is a is unsure, however leans to no. Okay. Hallie is a used to be staunchly yes. And now is pretty staunchly no. So it'll be fun to see how this conversation is. Hence why we've been wanting to have this conversation for a while. Interesting combo ever. (laughs) Where to start? There's a lot of places to start. So, uh, and of course, we're in Washington State, which currently does not have the death penalty. Everything's on a moratorium. Mm -hmm. We also live right next to Idaho, which just reinstated or instated firing squads. So there's that. Oh, that's right. Okay. I need a deep breath, too, for that, because thanks, Idaho. 
<sighs> this world, man. There's a lot of things to talk about within the context of the death penalty. Well, and yeah, because that's a good question. You're like a resounding yes, but at the same time, right then, when we brought up firing squads, you're like, ooh, yeah, not good. <laughs> That's one of the things to talk about is the it way is. we carry out the death penalty. Uh, yeah, I was like, that's a different situation. Like, you can ask me, do I believe in the death penalty? And then you can say, do you believe in death by this or death by that or death by that? And I'll have that's a different true. opinion. That's totally uh-huh. true. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, and just preface this conversation, we forgot to shout out Dad. So shout out the amazing Randino. Randino. The great Randino. <laughs> Shout out! Oh, he's going to love these stories. I don't even know if he's heard me talk about um, being in the death chambers in Washington State. Okay, I was not aware, so we're oh. definitely going to be in that conversation. So she's got a whole nother side of it, too. Yeah, so... <laughs> I feel like just throwing out my entire note section and just listening to you at this point. No, please, let's no. have some kind we, of We have to have map. some structure. <laughs> so... <laughs> So Washington State recently, um, they didn't abolish the death penalty, but everything has been put on hold. Me interrupting here. So obviously I spoke too soon. After we had this conversation, the governor, Jay Inslee, did sign into law Senate Bill 5087. That was April 21st, 2023. That does actually abolish the death penalty in Washington State. It also eliminates other laws, including a measure that allowed sterilization as a criminal punishment. Yeah, because of our uh, <clears throat> governor. She also doesn't like our governor. That's okay. She's tired to an opinion. Why are you whispering like the microphone can't hear you? I, I don't just, fucking like our governor. I just had to... He can suck it. Okay, keep going. <laughs> I don't like this governor i don't know like people can sit there and say oh she you're not democratic that's not what i said i don't in like in case you're listening to this in the future it's 2023 and that is Inslee. jay Inslee. and that's a whole nother tangent so you, let's keep going i'll tell you why i don't like Inslee. no 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 no, no that's okay. not what we're here for <laughs> it's part of the death penalty it's the reason oh. i don't like Inslee is because of the death penalty oh let's well let's hear oh. it okay it is 100 relevant to this conversation so the reason I do not like or respect Inslee is because of how he has continued to fail corrections as a whole. So actually, like, corrections, that. So corrections is the one reason I don't like Inslee. Because like, most people don't know everything yeah. the government does anyway, state or federal otherwise. For sure. So I'm going to try to condense this story because it feels disingenuous to be as um, emotionally invested as, in it as I am because I didn't know the person or the persons we're going to talk about. So at Monroe Correctional Complex, where I worked, we had an officer be murdered by an inmate. Her name was Jamie Bindle. Mm-hmm. I remember this. Yep. And that was before my time in Washington State and before my time in corrections. But in the eight years that I worked there, there wasn't a day that didn't go by that I didn't think about Jamie and see her picture because it's hung at, at the entrance of every single prison. And we have every January, we have the memorial run that's held in Monroe. And so, you know, I lived and breathed it. And while I didn't know her, I knew people who knew her. And I, I saw the aftermath of what took place. So the inmate that killed her, his last name was Scherf, and he was overridden. He was a closed custody. So again, we've talked about custody levels. He was a closed custody offender. WSR, which is one of the prisons that makes up the complex of Monroe. So again, it's a it's a complex of five prisons. WSR, the Washington State Reformatory, is one of the five. It has since closed uh, due to staffing shortages and prison bed shortages, all that stuff. Or prison bed vacancies is a better way to say it. So 
it became a medium custody facility. And so anybody who was closed custody who quote unquote remained there for whatever reason was overridden to a lower custody level they hadn't yet earned. What's closed custody is like when you're locked down more. So less freedoms. Yeah, so it would be max, close, medium, and then minimum. And minimum has like three different variations. Okay. What we call like MI one through three. And I didn't work in a camp setting, so I, I can't speak to minimum security as well as I can to others. But so close is the step above max, but a step, step below step, medium. Step below max for, for how strict it is, right? Sorry, a step above max for how... Yeah, max like, is I wish, the highest? Yes, I wish I could like draw a continuum. Yeah, yeah, no. So yeah, if you're looking at like, um, you know, a spectrum, max is all the way at one end, like my left hand, and minimum's all the way to my right. And so next to max is close. So he was a close offender unit, or close offender individual. We made that whole facility medium. He was overridden to medium. Instead of moving him. Yeah. He should have just been moved to another facility, but they overrode a bunch of inmates so that they could stay there, and they just made them all medium custody because that was now a medium custody facility. I'm assuming that decision was not the governor. You're going to get to that. For sure. This okay. was this was all, like, legislatively driven. It's it's driven all the way up through headquarters. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know. You know, the governor probably doesn't weigh in on any of this shit. There were a lot of fuck-ups that occurred, and unfortunately, Jamie was murdered, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to get into the nitty-gritty because it's not my story to tell, and that's not what we're here to talk about. And it's been all over the news, so you right. can Google it if you didn't see it. What's unfortunate about this is that Sheriff was already serving a life without the possibility of parole. So he was never going to get out of prison for already an egregious, heinous crime. So then he fucking commits murder, and I'm not really sure you get worse than that. There was no fucking consequence then. He's already serving life without. So in that moment, right, and Inslee had said, it's on record somewhere where he's like, I'm going to do right by corrections. Well, that was a blatant fucking lie. So even Scherf himself, like, testified and said, you should give me the death penalty. Otherwise, like, there is no consequence. I'm already serving life without. You giving me another life without sentence. Like, what have I learned? Mm -hmm. and, and I'm butchering and paraphrasing. But... So Inslee said he was gonna he was gonna do right by corrections. Well, he didn't, right? Do, do right in regards to this murder. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Like again, sheriff should have been put to death. Like there should be. I'm not saying everybody should be put to death and let's bring back the death penalty in Washington State, but for an individual in particular who is already serving life without, mm -hmm. what is the fucking consequence if you commit another heinous crime behind bars? So if you kill a staff member, you kill another offender. There is no consequence. What changed for you? Nothing changed for this person. I mean, presumably, I mean, not presumably. I I imagine probably the security level could change, but that's about oh, it. Oh, yeah. He was signed. He was assigned maximum custody after the murder, and he was transferred to another prison because he will never come back to the Monroe Correctional Complex. So he was probably, I think he went to the penitentiary, which is, so Washington Penn is in Walla Walla. Mm -hmm. So, which is also where our death chambers are. Right. And so anyways... In that, so that particular individual, and again, this is why it depends, he should have been put to death. I, I'm sorry. Like, Scherf should not be living and breathing on this planet right now. Fuck him. So, and this is my own personal opinion. I can say whatever the fuck I want. And <laughs> I would like to agree with you. Fuck him. Yeah. Definitely fuck him. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, that's why I don't respect Inslee. So, okay. question then. So in regards to Inslee, then in this case, when you say that Inslee said, I'm, you know, going to do right by corrections, 
can you please tell us like what what would do right look like for you and what did do right end up actually looking like in reality so and again this is before my time in correction so I have a lot of like I have a lot of emotion tattoos just because I know everybody who sure. knew Jamie. Hey, sure. I've got a lot of emotion tattooed non and I don't know him. Yeah. Right. So, um, oh, yeah. So, I think Sheriff should be put to death. I think that would be doing right by corrections. I don't know how Jamie's family feels. Maybe they feel the same way. Like, I see her dad every January when we do the walk. He always speaks before we all go on our 5K. So yeah, to support but... that, what would Jay Inslee have done? He not put like a not put a hold or not even like a moratorium on the death penalty. He would. There needs to be exceptions to every rule. Like I think I just believe that in general. Like every rule should have an exception. There are always extenuating circumstances. Which brings us back to like the case by case argument. Absolutely right? right. It depends. So in this particular instance, do I believe this person for his behavior should he be put to death? Absolutely. I am paying attention, by the way. I was actually just looking at dates so we have context. No, you're good. He... So he, she was killed in 2011. Yes. And it looks like maybe he was given a death sentence, but then it was commanded because of the Washington State ban the in 2017-18. Okay. So just so people listening, that's that's kind of how the dates are looking, is that he actually was sentenced to death. But that was taken off the table, which is what you're talking about. The governor has rescinded that because of the overall Washington state ban. Which is what happens, right? In any in any state, county, what have you, right. when when things like that are overturned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, that does seem to appear to have happened in twenty eighteen, right? So a repeat rapist. I mean again, this wasn't a good human being. He was serving life sentence for a reason. Mm-hmm. Well, we can get into that later. Yeah. So, <laughs> anywho. So, no. I don't... But in this particular instance, he was a terrible person and did terrible things. And continued to do them. Yeah. And then continue to do them while behind bars. So, like, there has to be repercussions for people who are already serving life without and then commit murder. Gotcha. And so, and I don't know if that's, like, my one caveat to those people absolutely deserve the death penalty and the rest of them, meh, maybe not. Like, I could see the argument. Well, and so you've brought up the point of how the correction system, aside from Inslee, failed, you know, that officer, right? For sure. So, just based on what I know, again, anybody listening to this who, like, knew her, I'm never trying to steal away from her story or your experiences with her, but just from what I've heard, there were so many security things that were missed that night. Right? Oh, yeah, all the radios are turned in. Well, obviously they aren't. Somebody's mm-hmm. fucking radio wasn't turned in. Let's find that human being. Right. So. Well, and no, but, and, and you know, I appreciate that you say that. And obviously we're speaking in this, you know, episode specifically about our individual opinions. None mm-hmm. of us are speaking on behalf of anybody else. Correct. Um, and there's a lot of emotion tied to that. For many reasons. For many mm-hmm. reasons. So, but what I'm wondering is, you know... I guess, and I, I guess we're going to continue on with this, and this will probably come to light, but you're pointing out two very different reasons for why we are angry at this murder. Mm-hmm. One is the, one is Jay Inslee, right, mm-hmm. for not doing right by corrections, um, and, and by, by Jamie, officer, Jamie yeah, by Jamie, but one is also the failure of, of the system itself. 
Yes, yeah. There's anger and blame to be shared across the board, for sure. Yeah. Okay. No, I just wanted to establish that because I think that they're two very separate, mm-hmm. you know, variables to the story. Yeah. Um, but your interpretation is that very significantly you are putting Jay Ensley in that space. Yes. Okay. I very... Well, I mean, the governor is who put the moratorium on the death penalty, so... Yeah. He could yeah. he could sit there and then try to bring it forward and say, no, for this particular individual, we need to override this. This is an extenuating circumstance. And then, like, let's see a vote about it. Well, that's a slippery slope, you know? But yes, I could... But then I can appreciate that as a different conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so would you say that this case in particular is what has steered you toward being pro-capital punishment. How did you feel about the death penalty before and after that situation? Ooh. Uh, well, unfortunately, you're not going to like my answer. I, 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 was, I don't have an opinion. I just, no. I don't know. We don't so like or dislike I've, anything. We're I've, in it. I've always been pro-capital punishment, but I also come from the East Coast. I come from the South. Like, And while I don't normally adhere to most of the politics down there, of a very vivid memory of sitting up and waiting for 12.01 to hit the clock. We all stayed up in our state. Well, I'm just going to name the state because otherwise you're going to know it. So in Florida, we stayed up to watch the announcement of the execution. Um, it was a serial killer. I'm imagining Ted Bundy because he was killed in Florida. I think it was Bundy. And it would have been like late 90s, early, or late 80s, early 90s. I can't remember exactly when. Uh, that's before my time. Okay, hold on. Now I gotta Google it. I was not prepared to give statistics. I mean, he definitely was. Oh, that was, that was well before my time. Um, sorry, I'm old. I know, I'm trying to think. You told me at one point. Bundy the, which one was the sorority killer? Bundy. That was Bundy. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's not him. Um, I don't know. Somebody else talk while I look this up. Well, so what I'm hearing, what I'm hearing her say is that she has always been for yes. capital punishment. This case of Jamie being murdered really hit home and solidified that that belief. But I'm also hearing that there may be, as with everything, some gray area. Some room. So much gray. That's not like, yes, absolutely death penalty, even though her answer was very quick. I feel like I also didn't allow for any stipulations when I asked for that purposely. Mm -hmm. Purposefully. Yep. And with more conversation, just like anything, she's not a black and white thinker and therefore maybe is open to more conversation with the death penalty being allowed. Okay. That's actually hilarious because a lot of our conversations outside of even capital punishment are about how I'm a black and white thinker. Are about how she's a black and white thinker and about how I operate in only gray. So I don't think Marie is a black and white thinker. At least anymore. I think I'm learning to evolve. She's learning. You've got some dark shades of gray. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They're very close to black. So Um, yeah. Okay. If you I was, were a black and white thinker, you would not allow for any room. You would be like, yes, true. absolutely, death penalty, and I don't care. Yeah. I guess when I think of the people... Okay. Same with the minors, yeah. by the way. Oh, that's a good point. And I was going to say, I, when I think of the people that like immediately come to mind for executions, I'm perfectly happy they were executed. But then there are obviously are dozens of examples of people who were not only falsely incarcerated, but falsely put to death. Mm-hmm. So... 
Yes. Well, I mean, yeah. overall, am I a fan of capital punishment? Yeah, for the people who really fucking deserve it. Like, the serial killers who have been vetted and we know they're guilty. Like, I'm sorry, we only keep the Green River Killer alive because every time he was up for the death penalty, and now it's been, of course, mm-hmm. um, put off in our state, he would sit there and say, I'll give you another victim location. Which is shocking that they went for that because Ted Bundy did the same thing and they didn't, well, it was a different state, (laughs) but he did the same thing and it didn't work even back in the 80s or 90s. Well, and then I think that then speaks into the variant in all of these different um, cultures aligned with states, with counties. I mean, you have this whole array of, you know, justice or injustice across the nation, right? And I think that is a really, I mean, that's definitely sits with me is my unknown, but leaning to know is historically, you know, how has capital punishment been executed? No pun intended. Um, um, (laughs) Because it is like very significantly tied to racially biased, biased, you know, crime and just motive you know all of this in general and sentencing is in general right mm-hmm. we all know that that's mm-hmm. evident but obviously it's it's a bigger topic because i think i'm not necessarily opposed to the idea that someone like bundy or dahmer or whoever you want to talk about well dahmer got shanked in the shower so he didn't face it <laughs> just he got his <laughs> but i Sorry. think i'm Who's not upset about that nobody i I'm not necessarily opposed to the idea of having this kind of justice in extreme cases. But I guess where my gray lies is where do those cases start? Because there is a whole range of who gets the death penalty and why. Mm -hmm. And is the judge deciding? Is the jury deciding? Is, I mean, these are all... It's the governor. Well, the governor controls, not the sentencing, the governor controls the execution, execution, if that's going to happen or not, right? Well, the governor controls is stopping an execution, not... Not right, it doesn't control the judge sentences it, right? There's just, again, there's so many... Or the jury. (laughs) Yeah, so... Or the jury, and that's the thing, right? There all is so many different variables in different locations. True, but even, even if a jury comes down for a sentencing, that's based on hey, this is what they're eligible to be sentenced at. Like, a jury is not coming up with their own sentencing standards. Right. So they're given, like, a standard to follow, and based on their verdict can say, we agree to a sentencing of 17 years based on the robbery one charge. Like, and so... But ultimately, too, the judge can override. I mean, honestly, sentencing and the jury system... (laughs) It's a whole other conversation. The justice system could be an entire week's worth of You're totally right. Yeah. I don't want to get too sucked into that tangent. Okay, so I found I found the person I was thinking of, which is funny. I don't know why I can't remember his name because I remember the year it happened. So it happened the year I was a freshman in college. It was 2006. His name was Danny Rowling. I do remember that name. And the mm. reason he always makes you think of Ted Bundy is because he was known as the Gainesville Ripper. Yeah. Oh, so he right. killed, he did kill a bunch of college kids yeah, up yeah. in Gainesville. And so we all stayed up to watch that execution be announced. Mm -hmm. And so at 12.01 or 12.02, whatever it came in as, I mean, I vividly remember sitting on the couch with my dad and my stepmom, and I'm like, yep, there there it is. He's Mm -hmm. been pronounced dead. And I was okay with that. 
So, do you, do you remember what form of death penalty that, that Florida used for him? He was, ex- uh, sorry, lethal injection. Lethal injection, okay. Yeah. That will come up later. I'm just curious okay. about that. So, I on, Well, and so I wonder, I mean, obviously we all have a lot of, like, emotions and opinions. Trying to, like, step out of that from the kind of bigger systemic issue of, you know, incarceration and execution... What about from the standpoint of what you said about punitive and rehabilitative? Like, where does execution fall? Because if we're looking at the correctional system from the standpoint of being not only rehabilitative, but also as a deterrent for crime, right, for others around, I mean, a lot of evidence-based practice says that executions are not a deterrent. You I, I can absolutely see an argument. This is coming from the not but death penalty side. Okay. I can see an argument for the death penalty being executed as a rehabilitative rehabilitative state for the community or the family. Because it's a deterrent. I can, I can see but that is argument. it? Because not, statistically, not it's not a deterrent. Not a deterrent for more murders to be had. Rehabilitative for the family who's grieving their loved one. Okay, so it's providing closure. If there's such a thing when someone's murdered. <sighs> yeah. And I wonder, though, too, I mean, it may or may not. I think there's also, this is another part for me, is the idea of vicarious trauma. Because, yes, the idea that it could provide closure is there. I'm not so sure that it does all the time. Well, that's a great segue for Miss I Was in a Death Chamber. Yes. Murray. So, it was when I was teaching academies, and I'm a big believer, thank you, Randino, of uh, the answer is no unless you ask. So, teaching academy uh, at the Penn, the penitentiary in Walla Walla, and I thought, I'm going to reach out and ask for a tour, right? The answer is no unless I ask. I've never been to this prison. I want to see it. And so, I reached out to the superintendent, and he was super accommodating, he said, yeah, do you want to bring any students from the academy who are also traveling to Walla Walla for the academy? Like, let's let's invite the whole class. I'm like, yeah, I'll be a cool teacher and invite them. And when I say teacher and class and academy, we're all adults. We all work in corrections. Like, <laughs> it's not that kind of... It was a workshop. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's an academy for all adult uh, parole officers. Gotcha. So... It was an in-service. He ended up giving us... We do have in-service. He ended up giving us a four... Hour, I mean, four, four and a half hour tour of oh the prison. Gosh. And this is one of the only superintendents I've ever met who knew almost every single officer's name. Like, there's so much amazingness to be said about this human being. The way he spoke about his staff, the way he spoke to his staff. I mean, it was clear that he respected them. And it was, I mean, even inmates were, hello, Mr. So-and-so, and... I mean, I've worked at prisons where the superintendent literally never comes downstairs to enter the actual prison. He stays upstairs in admin. and a good culture and respect starts at the top. Yeah, and they're just completely disconnected. So this person, you know, he was best tour ever and ended up giving us, like, challenge coins, and he was super cool. Uh, but he had asked, he said, do you guys want to see the death chamber, death chambers? And I'm like, is, is there an answer to that question that doesn't end in yes? Um, <laughs> I am a macabre. Morbid curiosity overcomes me. Yes, I want to see this. I was upset that more people weren't quiet while we were in there, though. I was mm-hmm. very reflective. 
very quiet. I stood at the exact place where we had enacted hangings. That's probably not the right word, but hangings had occurred. I was wondering if they still had the gallows there. So, yep. So I stood on the trap door where the gallows took, you know, took place. Mm -hmm. The noose isn't still hanging or anything like that. That's only put up when it were to occur. And the last, the last person we put to death in Washington state was by hanging. Mm -hmm. And that was just because that was our default method. So because if you don't choose back when we could, yes, when you didn't choose in Washington, it is every state has their own. So people know every state has their own default method. So you get to choose if they have an option, whether it's in this state, it was lethal injection or hanging. Yes. Um, we did. I don't think we had electrocution ever no. in Washington. Um, but some states may have electrocution or hanging or electrocution and apparently firing squad is a thing. That's not the 1800s. So it is. It is in Idaho. <laughs> anyway, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I digress. So in Washington, it was hanging or lethal injection. Yes. Um, so the last person um, to be hung, I think, was Campbell, and I can speak to Charles Campbell. Was it Campbell or was it Wesley Allen Dodd? Ooh, it might have been Dodd. It might have been Campbell. Was she the one that said, I'm too overweight, it's unconstitutional or uh, inhumane That's, to hang me? That sounds like Dodd, actually. Ooh, now I'm like... One of them had specifically chosen hanging and then got fat on purpose. So Campbell was... I didn't actually know Campbell got executed, so that's interesting. I have a lot to say about Campbell, actually. Campbell is the reason we have a victim services program in Washington State. So... So Campbell, was it Campbell or Dodd that... So I do think Dodd was the last execution. Okay. Campbell stands out in my mind just because he's... Oh, goodness, sorry. That's okay. Um, he's so noteworthy in I, that he committed a crime that literally spawned our victim service program. Yeah, that's a, that's super interesting. What, Wesley Allen Dodd was a child rapist, if I remember. A child murderer, maybe? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Who had asked specifically for the death penalty saying that he would not stop offending. He knew he was a menace. Mm -hmm. Please don't let him out. And in fact, please allow me to die by the death penalty. So I was curious to know which one was, because if that was him, because they stopped him from getting the death penalty initially, Wesley Allen Dodd. So I don't know. Well, when Campbell was put to death, like, fairly early, like, I think he was put to death in 94. So part of me is like, that feels early because we didn't put a moratorium on our death penalty until in the 2000s. So. Yeah, like 2018 or something. Yeah, so I could be misremembering it. Campbell stands out just because I know a lot about VSP, the Victim Service Program, because of the sex offender program. That's incredible. Okay, just jumping in here. So, I looked this up. I don't think we did it during the actual interview. Wesley Allen Dodd was put to death in 1993. Charles Campbell was put to death in 1994. There were three more after that. The very last one was 2010, and that was Cal Coburn Brown. And fun fact, if you can call it that, I found an article that had to do with the person I was thinking of who was actually arguing that he would be decapitated because he was overweight. That was condemned double murderer Mitchell Roop, R-U-P-E, uh, who actually did not end up getting put to death. So I assume he's probably still hanging out in prison. And I was looking through the article, and they were talking about the length of the rope. And they said that it was determined that when Campbell was put to death, 
Um, he was actually hung. He weighed 220 pounds and they used a five foot rope. That is a quote, maximum weight and shortest distance called for in the U.S. Army Manual, which is what the state's hanging protocol was based on. So that is a pretty macabre detail that I wasn't aware of, but interesting nonetheless, in case you wanted to know. And, and I can tell that story later. So I was in the death chambers. I saw the bed where the lethal injection would be administered. I stood in the gallows where the trap door kind of um, opened. And Are they next to each other? So the trap door is above where the bed would be. So because oh, it, it all occurs in the same... Trying to explain this. Like, I mean, it is really similar to what you see in the movies. So there's like a witness room. There is a witness room. So there's a big glass window. With and, curtains. Yep. And behind the glass door would be where the bed would be for mm-hmm. lethal injection. Or they remove the bed and it becomes where the gallows drop. That seems really traumatic even if I agreed that person should be hanged. Yeah, I don't know if I'd want to watch somebody be hung. Or even lethal injected. Despite believing in it, would I need to be there to be present to witness her death? I don't know if that would be true. It would, it would, it would have a lot to do with how much emotional attachment I had. Yeah. The most (laughs) fascinating thing that I learned while I was getting that tour. So we also went to the cells where individuals would have their last meal. The Green Mile of Washington. (laughs) It wasn't green. (laughs) But sure. You haven't <laughs> you, seen that movie? I have. Oh, I love the Green Mile. And actually at SOU, the hallways that like lead to the units, they're painted half green, half this like ugly ass off white color. And I thought, Ugh. who the hell came up with this color? <laughs> um, it's depressing AF. Sorry, sorry. So, no, it's this, it's actually like the smallest known to man staircase. I, I mean, not a standard staircase that mm. you go up up and over the gallows, kind of. And there's two cells. I don't know why you'd ever have two people in there at once. Uh, back when we were just knocking them out, I guess. <laughs> I don't think we ever did that. But so there were these little cells, and that's where they'd be served their last meal. The most unique thing that I saw is they took us into this really small, I don't know how to explain it other than calling it a closet, mm-hmm. but it was a really thin closet. And it had four buttons attached to the walls. And so four staff members would be asked kind of secretly uh, by the superintendent if they wanted to participate in an execution. They could obviously decline. He asked, or he or she, whoever the superintendent was at the time, would only ever ask people they knew what kind of stand-up employees, people who could keep confidentiality. Because you were never supposed to talk about it if you ever participated in an execution. So four of you would be closed off in this closet with these buttons in front of you and the door would be closed and a light would turn on above you and everybody would push the button at the exact same time but earlier in the day um, an electrician would have come in and like rewired it that only one of them controlled the trap door for the gallows so four people pushed a button you never know who dropped the gallows and I just thought how is this the first time I've ever heard that this is how this is done and I knew that was that for the lethal injection. I didn't know that was for the gallows. So. Oh, and I guess also, see, and I didn't even know that. You know, firing squad. Yeah. Same idea, Some right? Some people are given blanks. Yeah. 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 I mean, really only one person actually committed. I mean, unless yeah, you have execution. a guillotine or like old school battle axe, I'm not sure how you... That's the only... <laughs> you know, yeah. That's in the days when there would be a for sure one person that was an executioner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, it just... it it. You know, subscribe some anonymity to it. 
it, I suppose, is supposed to help reduce your vicarious trauma or your trauma in general from having participated in an execution mm-hmm. because you push your button, you wait for somebody to come and get you out of the closet, and you never know which four of you pushed the button that did it. Right. So it was, it was a very um, sobering, uh, somber experience. I recognized it for what it was. The people in those, in those walls lost their lives. Mm-hmm. Whether or not I agree with it, that wasn't what I tried to take away from that. It was recognize the hallowed space that what this is, is, is people took their last breath in this place. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, I wasn't looking to say whether or not I agreed with it or didn't. But there are plenty of people in our state I do agree with it. Dodd mm-hmm. would be one of them. Mm-hmm. Campbell would be another. So, But that was... That was gnarly. Like, I don't have another word for it. It was yeah. it was pretty wild. I was fortunate enough to even be able to see that in a tour. That's not a place that, that... The only people who... The only person who can open that now is the superintendent. So had he assigned another staff member to give us a tour, if he himself hadn't done it, I would have never even seen that section of the prison. Mm-hmm. And I imagine... It's only because you all worked for DOC, not because you were just random just, doing a tour. Hey, can I have a tour? I still remember this was like a year and a half ago when I got that tour, and Katie's like, "Oh my god, I will drive to Walla Walla. Can I come with you?" She wouldn't let me. I was like, "I am not even gonna ask, let alone would that ever be approved." I'm like, I could quote unquote be a student. You don't know. I'm like, I'd have to give you a blue badge. Somehow. I feel like you don't have a badge. Yeah, I don't know. I just randomly give her another one. <laughs> So the statistics that I found on the website, yeah. um, some of them, and also on I what should, website? Uh, oh, this was a deathpenaltyinfo.org. And also I should mention there, of course, is a difference between state death penalty and federal death penalty. Mm-hmm. The federal death penalty does not have a moratorium. They are still executing people on a federal level. I think it's slowed down a little bit recently. What determines federal versus state? If it was a federal crime, so if you did something interstate or if you did it on a federal level, as opposed to... And I don't even know where federal prisons are. Like, Leavenworth probably is one for military. So, I do actually know that there's a federal sexual offending prison, and it's not Virginia. Like, Tennessee, maybe, because I met some... uh, I went to a sex offender management conference, the United States one. I mean, it was a national conference down in Orlando, surprisingly enough. It was like the first few months I'd worked for the sex offender program here in Washington. And I put in my name and I got chosen in like the lottery essentially to go and work paid for the whole trip. And I got to see my family while I was in Florida and learn a ton of stuff and meet some really cool people. And yeah, that was wild. But I met people who worked at the Federal Bureau of Prisons um, for sex offenders. And I think it was in Tennessee. Huh. Okay. Interesting. So the number of, and I'm realizing I said that because I don't think I actually wrote down federal versus state. So their statistics, and of course this is probably slightly skewed to the anti-death penalty crowd, I'm guessing, because of the statistics they gave me. But I tried to find the most unbiased numbers I could find. Since 1973, more than 190 people have been released from death row. For every 88.2 people executed, one person is exonerated. That's in the modern era. 88 to 1? 8.2 to 1. 
The number of executions since 1976 is 1,567. The peak was in 99, 98 to 99. Or no, sorry, 1999, there was 98 people executed. In 2022, 18. I think this must be federal because in 2023, it says nine so far. And that was a couple months ago when we first started talking. Mm -hmm. uh, there's 27 death penalty states. That also includes the military and the government, federal. Non-death penalty states, 23 now, including Washington since 2018. And as Katie mentioned, overwhelmingly statistics agree that it's not a deterrent for anything. Uh, overwhelmingly, it's more expensive than life without parole, which honestly is one of my what? arguments. Mm -hmm. Because of the appeal process of death wow. penalty cases. All right. It is far less expensive to incarcerate someone without parole. Okay, because of lawyer fees. Yes. But clearly... They still exist. One lethal injection is way cheaper than housing someone in a prison. But to get to that lethal injection, it costs a lot more than it would to just house someone for their well, life. Let's just cut all that out. <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's just forget due process. You get one appeal. One. Of course, there are an abundance of true crime podcasts, which may or may not have influenced some of my decisions. Sure, but, sure. So when I was growing up, I was, as I said, very staunchly pro-death penalty. I was like an eye for an eye, screw people. I was very black and white on the death penalty thinking. And then as I went to college, and as some people on certain sides of the aisle may argue is the reason people shouldn't go to college... I was exposed to things outside of my bubble, things that I didn't know, things that I didn't understand, racial equity being one of many. <laughs> and that is what started to sway me in the non-death penalty camp. That being said, I agree. There are absolutely circumstances when it is absolutely egregious, absolutely they did it, person in prison killing someone in prison. I mean, shoot, we've named... Quite a few people <clears throat> well, yeah, I mean, already like, do in this you, conversation. So, okay, despite being against capital punishment as a whole, yeah. do you agree with Ted Bundy? Yes. Being executed? Okay. I, I also have concerns, though. Part of my non not wanting to agree with the death penalty and capital punishment is the racial equity, the Huge people that disparity. are just barely on the de developmental scale that still yeah. get charge of the crime, get the death penalty because of where they are in the country. Mental mm -hmm. health. Absolutely mental health. I mean, all of these factors. And the mere sheer number of exonerations from DNA most, most recently. Well, and I think that, I mean, there's a huge amount to speak to that. And I think because there is, you know, for the few people that we've named that are notorious cases. Right. Where hands down, sure, Bundy was horrific you right. know dodd was horrific campbell was horrific like i do not disagree that our world is better without them here i do think though that those are the minority of people they're the exceptions they're the to the exceptions rule. to the mm -hmm. rule because i do think that historically and trending into this current day there are so many disparities in sentencing mm-hmm and and how these things are carried out um and i do think that it inequitably affects racial minorities i agree with that completely and i would really be concerned i mean my as you were talking i was thinking 
I would love if the governor's rule was instead of granting immunity or stopping a case that they that death penalties were stopped and they would be the exception. They would be, okay, yes, yes let's go forward with the death penalty. Mm-hmm. But I immediately thought, no, because that's giving too much power to one person. Depends on what state you're in. Yeah. And we run into Good the same point. problem. Good point. So then it comes back to, for me personally, one person innocent that's executed is not enough for 10 Ted Bundys. And that's where my line is drawn. All right. I mean, I can't even, like, say anything that will make me sound, like... (laughs) I know. No, No, I know. This is such such a hard conversation. It's such a hard conversation. Because I'm going to forget, I actually just want to throw it out there. We were both wrong. The last person to be executed in Washington State happened in 2010, and his name was Cal Coburn Brown. Ah. Just FYI for the listeners. Um, <laughs> we don't have any stories about that guy. I don't know. I, I don't know <laughs> I don't that. I know his name. Um, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean. I'm not trying to dissuade you. I'm just, I'm well, saying where I came well, to that. Well, that's the conversation, is, right? Yeah. This is why it's not a two-sided coin, right? This exists on a spectrum. Because I'm not saying that I believe in capital punishment and that excuses the innocent people we have executed, right? Like, that's awful. That there's no amount of reparations will will make a family feel better or make an individual who's been down, right, who's been incarcerated for 20-plus years for a crime they never committed, that doesn't make their life better. Okay, so you're taking the average amount of money somebody could have made for a year, timesing it by the amount of years they've been down, and you're like, sorry, we <laughs> jailed you all that time. We and sent you to prison. That's assuming you're in a state that does that. Some states right. don't. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, your statement definitely doesn't make me feel great about it. And I'm sorry, I still believe that there are exceptions to the rule. And there are certain people who need to be executed and should be and deserve to be. Well, and I think, you know, unfortunately, you know, capital punishment is tied in to the bigger conversation of sentencing too, you know, because we're really a lot of the issues that we're having here with this end all be all of execution. I mean, a lot of it comes down to the controversy of how, how our justice system operates, how we hand out sentencing, Mm -hmm. you know, how prior, you know, non federal crimes then influence the sentencing that now someone has life without parole, you know, these racial implications. I mean, there's so many other things to it that I think it is. It's not an easy question of do you believe in it or not because it does come down to the nuances of case by case. Well, and I said it in the last episode. I I mean, I wholeheartedly, and I've said this for actually the eight plus years I was in corrections, I wholeheartedly believe that where the criminal justice system is most broken is at the sentencing level. Oh, Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I agree with the that. amount of times I looked at a crime for someone who was just put on parole versus someone who was sentenced to prison, you know, and that could be a year and three days or it could be three years or 16 years. The amount of times I looked at people who were only sentenced with parole, I looked at them and thought, you had a good lawyer because I know someone who committed a, a less egregious crime. Yeah, we haven't even talked about classism. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I definitely recognize... Cash bail and all of right. that. Whole... And, I mean, I see it from having read the court orders, having read the police reports, having seen the the actual sentencing. And I thought, that's where we're most 
fucking broken. And everybody wants to blame prison. Everybody. And I'm like, I didn't sentence them here. Well, I'm I just taking care of them while they're present. That's the lack of vocabulary. I mean, that's why these conversations are so great. Because mm-hmm. you do. You tie yeah. sentencing and prison together. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's this is the system. And it's hard to tease that out when you're not directly a part of it. Sure. Which I, I yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that's where my frustrations come from when people like want to shit all over prisons. I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm sorry, what do you know about it other than watching CSI? <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Well, and you've enlightened me in that in such a way too because it is. It, they are not like yeah, they're tied together, sure, because you know, blah blah blah. They're, they're all under the criminal linked, justice umbrella. Right. But yes. they are very they are very separate. Mm-hmm. And while I do think there's a lot of opportunities in corrections mm-hmm. as well, I think my issues do align more with my problem with the way sentencing is structured and carried out. Uh, and and the entire justice system prior, in this, prior to sentencing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, and yeah. oh, leading, policing. Up, leading up to sentencing. Yeah. Policing, <laughs> policing but also, arresting, procedures. Well, yeah. and just economic disparity, like societal yes. barriers in general. I mean, we talked briefly about the influence of crime not of your own volition, but being pressured by other people or not feeling like you have a choice. And, you know, there's all of these different factors that that go into it. Mm-hmm. One thing that we touched on that related specifically to the death penalty that I think is one of the things that I sit with the hardest that makes me lean towards no, not agreeing with it, is the statistics of vicarious trauma and secondary trauma on the amount of people in the periphery indirectly associated with the death itself. And I think not only, you know, the people, the four people standing there pushing the button, successful or unsuccessful deaths, because we've seen unsuccessful deaths as well, which is incredibly traumatic, but also the people, you know, the electrician going in and having to wire that, right? Right. He doesn't know who's behind the button, but he knows that button number two was it. Yep. 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 I mean, the amount of PTSD that comes from someone in that position and already knowing the lack of mental health that we have in this society where these folks are not getting the support that they need before or after this experience Mm -hmm. to support themselves through that kind of trauma. I mean... You look at, like, suicide rates increase when that happens, Mm -hmm. Um, alcohol, drug addiction. I mean, these are, it's just a huge impact on so many other people. As you were talking, and before even I was thinking about Eileen Warnos. And she Ah, was... Famous female serial killer, yep. She was begging for the death penalty by the time it was done. And she did eventually get it. Mm -hmm. But talk about trauma that led up to the crimes that she committed mm-hmm. i mean it's a societal mm. issue there's a that's my issue is by the time we even get to the death penalty there's been 10 other conversations and issues and problems that should have been taken care of way before that if all of the rest of that was a utopia and everything worked the way it was supposed to and we got to sentencing and it was a death penalty i could okay. definitely be persuaded to be for that and in, in cases like you mentioned, where someone's in prison and they killed a guard and it was actually verifiably absolutely them, I can see that. Right. But the whole issues leading up to that and the innocent people getting convicted and the mental health and the childhood trauma and the, you know, just every little thing that adds and adds and adds. It's that hard. by the time we get there. Yeah. 
I have a hard time. It's hard to agree with an outcome when it's not necessarily about the outcome itself. Right. It's about the barriers leading up to it, like all of the implications. Like, how can you possibly agree with this execution when all these other things have failed? So now here we are. Right. And that's not to say there's not some people, you know, I mean, that's, that could be a whole nother conversation (laughs) of whether or not you believe people are born evil. Or for lack of a better word, evil. (laughs) You know, maybe there are just people that are going to do bad things no matter what great environment they grew up in. Yeah. Yeah, that's a tough, yeah, 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 yeah. Therein lies mental health. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, isn't there like, there's a famous Shakespeare quote about a devil born. Mm, I don't know this. A devil born or a devil... Oh, it's about nature versus nurture. And I, gotta look I know I'm a devil's advocate. That should be my middle name. <laughs> <laughs> Every conversation I have is me playing devil's advocate, even if I don't agree with that side. Well, because it's a good conversation, you know? I mean, it opens up so many doors to different perspectives that you're not otherwise thinking about. Okay, a devil, a born devil on whose nature nurture can never stick. Oh. I always loved it. Who was this? Shakespeare. Shakespeare. Like from The Tempest. Go off, Shakespeare. The yeah. Tempest. All let me, right. Let me triple check that. <laughs> she's like, wait a second. <laughs> no, I'm like, I don't need people listening to this be like, she's a moron. She doesn't even know how to quote Shakespeare. Did she get that from Wikipedia? Yeah. <laughs> um, I wonder if we had to wait four episodes into this conversation <laughs> because we were nervous about this conversation. Well, probably nervous, but I do think it led, it allowed a lot of foundational um, conversation and stories and discussion to take place that's necessary before, if you had just invited me on to talk about the death penalty, I'm not sure anybody would give a shit what my opinion was. He's like, who is this chick? Marie doesn't know what she's talking about. Get Marie off. But I... You know, again, that's my issue whenever I talk to people who want to weigh in on stuff they've heard on the news or stuff mm-hmm. they've read or television they've watched. And I'm like, cool, how many times have you been in prison? Oh, that's right, zero. So your opinion matters nothing to me. Right. Okay, that was really harsh. That's not quite what I mean because opinions matter. And everybody gets to weigh in on these, like, very serious conversations that have to do with humanity and someone's life. Like, I don't minimize what we're talking about. But... I do want people to come at it from a perspective of some knowing. Like, I love that you brought, like, statistics to the to the plate. Because I'm just like, oh, those are just stats I'd never even heard of. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I don't think my opinion has changed, sad to say. Uh, but similar to what we said in last episode, it depends. Like, I do think there are certain people who are just due the death penalty. You will never convince me otherwise. There are certain people who just do not, they have not earned the right to continue existing based on the heinous behaviors um, and the cruelty they've inflicted on others. What I do love, though, is at the beginning, right, that first question, like, do you believe in the death penalty? And she's like, hell yes. First of all, there was a hell in that. That's what I heard. And now, now it's... Now, at the end of this conversation, it depends. it depends, case by case, I just like this conversation, I feel like we can all acknowledge there's a lot more nuance. So while, yes, you might be sitting there checking that yes box on the death penalty, there is the appreciation that there is more thought that goes into it. And there are instances to recognize that maybe they are, it's not 
appropriate all the time. And that True. there's other factors that go into but that. But Hallie's question had been, do you believe in it without... No, I know! Any other... So I'm like, well... That's why I love the conversation! Uh, if you're looking for a black or white question... If you're asking about a black or white question, unfortunately, my answer, I don't even know if it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate because I know the audience. I don't feel unfortunate answering yes. I mean, you don't know the audience. That's that's, that's assuming. Audience meaning you two. (laughs) I'll be an audience. Well, and that's the hard thing is in our society, we have to answer in black and white a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. When in reality, all of these conversations are gray. It's not as easy. I mean, I don't know how. I mean, that's why I think I lean to no on the death penalty, just because my gray is so overwhelming in my mind. Mm -hmm. But it it doesn't mean that I disagree with what we're talking about and that Ted Bundy should no longer be with us, you know? I mean, talk about vicarious trauma and the Gary Ridgway situation, right? The trauma that someone that's inflicted that kind of damage on society continuing to live and continuing to make shit in the news and whatever is continuing trauma not only to the victim's family, but to society at large. So, you know, where does that line end? You can still get interviews with Gary Ridgway apparently, which is gross it is well and again the fact that like every once in a while he'll tease law enforcement with i'll give up another name Mm -hmm. i'll give up another location fuck off well it's just perpetuating the narcissism you know it is and i mean at what point do we actually just take that power back Mm -hmm. and say i don't actually care if you have more information for me like And because that's what he's hanging on to. And then in 2018. Well, which is tough because how do you tell the family of someone missing that they're never going to find their loved one's body because this jackass is never going to tell you. Yeah. Or maybe that family is like, I don't give a fuck if he even holds it over your head. Execute that motherfucker. Yeah. Which is, I'm again, I, I have not been in that position. I think that that's how I would answer. If. So here's my thing. Yeah. That's a great point. And back to. Who gets to make the decision on life or death? Mm-hmm. Who gets to decide life or death, right? We don't want it to be a political judgment. None of this should be political. No, none of it should be political. We don't necessarily want it to be the family because they have an emotional investment. Mm-hmm. And I come back to the Adnan case. I'm sorry, but that's the one I've been most invested no, in. No, it's such I a great case. I know the most about in detail. Sure. I mean, that serial podcast was phenomenal. Oh, fuck serial. All right, I'm saying it on this podcast right now. Oh, that's not, it's Cereal. not good? <sighs> oh, there's more. Look, we don't have time for that. Okay. That'll there's, be off book. There's an additional podcast called Undisclosed. And people may argue that it is biased because it was run by an old friend of his that's a lawyer. But she also did it with two other lawyers and they examined all of the evidence so completely and thoroughly. It was like 18 episodes. Serial was a storytelling experiment. Oh, it was Every a very episode, good storytelling. Storytelling, yes, absolutely. Relevant to the case, fuck no. Because every single episode, you're like, did he do it? No, no, I don't think he did it. No, maybe he did do it. And it, it was done that way intentionally. Mm-hmm. They told mm-hmm. that story that way intentionally. It, when you yeah. looked at the black and white evidence for what they actually had, what they knew, examining all of it, I, in my heart of hearts, do not believe he did it. Do not. With any 
with all certainty that I could have without being there myself. Well, I do like, not think he did it. I off I offer that I don't think he did it either after only listening to Serial. I didn't either, and now I'm like on it. You're in it. Okay, I have to. I'm finding I have no this. idea what we're talking about. Okay. I know you need we to. Can ta- we you can talk need about to. that later. Okay, but my point to that was right now he is out of prison. His case got overturned. His conviction got overturned. He was released from prison. Lucky him. Well, it's not over because this is when I alluded to earlier with Baltimore. There is someone, a prosecutor, I think, that is retired, that has come out of retirement to tell the family and make them insist to the family that it was him. And this is back to the police. You know, this, is, this is the pre-sentencing part that I have a hard time with because there's so much possibility of, of corruption. Not to say it happens every time. But he can't be tried <clears throat> for the same crime. That'd be double jeopardy. They reinstated his conviction through another court. It's the whole thing. And one of the... Well, no. Did they what reinstate the? his correct? I don't remember if they reinstated it. I might be speaking... I'm not speaking of that right. But what they did was they're bringing it back to court because the family didn't get enough notice that he was going to be released. Even though the brother was there on Zoom, involved in the whole process, but the police and the prosecutor are in their ear insisting that it was him. Now, if that family believes truly that it's him and it was in their power, I'm sure they would vote for the death penalty. And of course, I'm aware that this never was a death penalty case for a nun, but my point stands. And that, the point of me telling that story is not about a nun, even though I have obviously passionate (laughs) feelings about it. It's about the fact that the police, the prosecutors, they can all influence a family to make a decision on an emotional basis, even when they don't have the facts. Oh, sure. for sure. In any case, in any situation. And that case, is what would worry me yeah. about anything that wasn't, I don't know what the standard would be that you'd have to have. I can imagine there being a standard, like a prisoner killing someone in prison. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> so there's probably a videotape of it. But... Aside from actual videotape, I mean, we all know witnesses' testimony is not reliable. Right. So, and even people's confessions aren't reliable, depending on how they got them. Yeah. So, I mean, victim testimony and and witness testimony and it's it's all coercive, right? Like, it can be coerced. Yeah. So, I would worry about who would be the final authority on who gets to say who gets the death penalty. Well, that's a good question, you know. I'm not completely anti-capital punishment. I think, like, there's just so much reform that has to go on with the justice system in general before Mm -hmm. that can even be a conversation on the table. Yeah. For sure. I don't think, and I'm not sure that I ever thought this, but if that was a perfect way to put that, like, should it lie solely on one person's shoulders? No. And unfortunately, right now it does, right? It lies Mm -hmm. on the commissioner or the judge's shoulders to Mm -hmm. say... Okay, I'm going to sentence you with a death penalty. And then it's for the governor, again, just one set of shoulders to say, I'm going to stay off this execution. Right. To kind of be, well, and. Or not stay it. Or not stay it. But let's face it, like, that is the only checks and balances we have to that system. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I kind of understand. Yeah. Again, it. (laughs) I originally, right, four hours ago. (laughs) It's not all taped in the same day. Um. First episode came in, said I have a lot to say that like is in support of corrections. 
And that's just a difference in the entities, right? This mm-hmm. is the criminal justice system. It falls under an umbrella. Mm-hmm. And prisons is just one aspect of it. Yes. And sentencing, I have wholeheartedly agreed for years. Yeah. Probably even in my undergraduate years. I was like, that's where the system is fucking broken. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hands down. Yeah, and I believe it now, and I will believe it until it fucking changes. <laughs> like, sentencing doesn't make any sense. And it hasn't for years because when you look at people who have like petty theft or petty drug crimes right. and are sentenced to like five years, but the person who has an assault charge who happens to be white with a great lawyer has only parole. Yep. What the Or then fuck? you're in California and all of a sudden you have three petty drug charges and you're in there for life without parole. <laughs> right. It's all absurd. It's so absurd. It is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I only believe... Oh, this is a different topic. This would be another story. I was going to say, oh, I believe in the three strikes rule, but only as it applies to assaultive behaviors. Well, Mm. and I think that's the thing. And, you know, our system doesn't differentiate the nuances of that. You know, it's like this all encompassing all or nothing. And you're like, well, but wait a second. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, I mean, in, in our state, we all know this, and this is another topic as well, but like we've de- decriminalized so many personal use amounts of drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, in an effort to reduce prison populations. Mm-hmm. And again, I've always felt too, like, as long as you're not hurting anybody, I don't give a fuck what you put into your body. Unfortunately, that's not always how it goes, <laughs> right? There are plenty of people who commit crimes while under the influence. And so then we do have to look at the substance that also impacted your criminal behavior. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. That's a different topic for a different day. So don't many worry, topics. <laughs> so many topics. Well, and I, I think what's funny is, you know... None of the topics have to have, like, an answer. Like, they are just conversations. You know, yeah, here yeah. we are, and I, none of us have changed our minds, but, like, how rich is this? <laughs> I love that you just said that because I was like, oh, is Hallie going to check in with us? And see no, no, no. Hallie hasn't else? changed her mind yeah, either. I haven't no. changed mine either. <laughs> I fully did not expect any of us to change our mind. And that's... But I also greatly respect both of your perspectives. <clears throat> Thank you. Yeah, and I think I maintain I believe in it and I believe in it for the right people. Look at Marie not being a black and white thing. Yeah. I love it so much. Has our social work this? Oh, my God. <laughs> First of all, you asked a black and white question. <laughs> you asked a black and white question, which is why I answered black and white earlier. And, <laughs> and I would still say, like, it fucking depends. There has to be caveats, right? There has to be exceptions to the rule. Yeah. Like, okay. I think we should still be allowed to execute Sheriff in our state. I'm not saying bring back the death penalty, but for that individual, he should be put to death. Think of how much more rich our democracy would be if everyone could just have conversations. Oh. Ha! I mean, yes. <laughs> and that's hilarious. I'm so proud. You know, I've noticed that towards the end of this podcast, she's been starting to do and instead of but. I think that you're rubbing off on her. Um, Excuse me. I've always loved that. And that comes from my sister. Shout out. Um, Because she she is married. And her husband once gave her feedback and said, I hate, hate with like visceral passion when you say, I love you, but... It was like a 15-year-old conversation, and so she's like, I'm trying to say I love you, and. And I'm like, okay. And so that's why I started replacing but with and. It would improve a lot of conversations. It really would. But the yes and and, I, I'll give Hallie that. That's hers. Yeah. <laughs> no, she's got it. Mm-hmm. And what's funny is whenever she says it, too, it's like, yes, and. Like, it's so pronounced. 
She wants you to fucking know. It's a sentence in its I own. agree with you, and you're a dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are. And here we are. Oh, ladies, I have so enjoyed our last four hours of conversation about the Department of Corrections. And I look forward. And... I look forward to many other conversations, whether or not it's about the Department of Corrections or not. I'm in. Me too. Mm-hmm. Me too. Thank you very much. Yeah, yes. thank you. All right. This concludes our conversation about the Department of Corrections and the death penalty, at least for now. Who even knows? Maybe we will have another conversation because something else comes up. What do you guys think? How do you feel about the death penalty or justice or criminal reform or etc anything else that we talked about you can always find me on twitter at someday dead pc you can email me at someday dead pc at gmail.com and otherwise just keep listening i'm hoping to have more and more conversations happy to take suggestions of subjects to talk about or people you want me to try to get to talk about whatever expertise they're into so let me know and i will try to keep making these as often as i can and i sure appreciate you sticking around Remember to live, because someday we'll all be dead.